I, I think part of the reason why uh, students don't work on a lot of side projects is because they're just afraid of failure. And I mean, I was guilty of this too, where part of the reason why I wouldn't work on one specific project was that I was afraid that it would never take off or that I wouldn't be able to make it happen. But once you just get over the notion that everything fails the first time you do it, it's so much easier to just get started. That's absolutely true. I, I think it's also like a motivation thing because people generally aren't motivated to start. But I think once people start and realize that they're capable of doing just something, then it's a lot more exciting to continue. Hey there, welcome to FailCon, a brand new podcast hosted by yours truly, Kasim Wani, where I get to have candid conversations with my peers and colleagues about failure and what we can learn from setbacks in our own lives. In this episode, I'll be talking to an old friend of mine, Sam Schodel. Sam, just like me, is a senior at Virginia Tech studying computer engineering. Sam is planning to continue his postgraduate studies at Carnegie Mellon this fall and will be interning at NASA's JPL over the summer. I had a fun time talking about engineering and some of the mistakes we made along the way. If you found any of this helpful or interesting, make sure to follow the pod on Spotify. And with that, Let's roll right into the conversation. I've known you since freshman year, and yeah. every time uh, you and I have had lunch, we've always like talked about totally new, crazy projects we've been working on, and, <laughs> and like most of, at least most of my projects were just like dumb and like never made sense. What are and, you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh since freshman year i've worked on like close to 30 side projects and like 25 of them have just been outright hey that's five good <laughs> projects though <laughs> five decent projects i'm not yeah it's the, the point is that we just like enjoy uh from what i could tell we just like enjoy building and i'm curious if you like what's your uh motivation for building stuff yeah no i totally agree i i just make stuff for fun like sometimes it catches on and it's really popular sometimes it doesn't and if it does catch on that's awesome like you have a cool i don't want to call it a fan base but there are people who enjoyed something that you made and that feels that's gratifying but if it doesn't catch on then it's gratifying just to know that you are capable of doing something that you put your mind to like i mean i have a few examples like i don't know if you knew that i, I like laser cut water bottles for people but that's not a hard thing to do like you just put it in the machine and then you hit go and then if you have the right raster it'll just engrave it like after some calibration whatever but once that's done like you just do homework while it's running and i did water bottles i i made a map of virginia tech i think that's what really made people enjoy it was because they could put a map of their school their campus on their water bottle and be like oh this is kind of sick i can carry this around and see where i am and stuff um and like that, that caught on like wildfire like i think i did like 200 engravings for like $20 each. And like, that's, that's bank as a freshman. <laughs> so uh, that, was, that was cool. And I was like, I was going to just do it for myself and like my friends and family. But then people were like, Oh, dude, I'll pay you to laser cut my water bottle. And I was like, okay, sure. I'll hit run on the machine and like do my homework while I was going. 
Um, so that was just a cool project that like happened to spin off into something slightly larger. And then like once I lost access to the Frith Lab, you know, that stopped. But <laughs> yeah, Frith Lab was his first year uh, engineering design studio. And I think I've been there only like three or four times, but I know that I used to just live there. Yeah, it's a good spot if you like hands on things. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. there's uh, there's plenty of other projects similar to that that like nobody knows about. I mean, like I made a quadruped that some people know about, but it's not as big as like the the water bottles. And that's just something that I do for fun on the side, like make little robot dogs. Um, but that's just gratifying to my to me because like, I wanted to do that for a while and then I set my put my mind to it and then it happened. So yeah, that's what I want to talk about in this conversation. Like the whole premise of the show is demystify failure. Um, I guess in engineering, it's always this misconception or this myth that we have that everything must work out and nothing can fail. Uh, I, I, like we had this professor, uh, Dr. Ransbottom, who's always like just, yeah, who's, yeah, just a legend and always talks about how engineers are like humanity's last resort. And there's like truth to that, but also a lot of engineers I know just do things because it sounds cool. And yeah, that's true. like, sometimes like it's, it's fine if that's your inkling. There's just so many crazy or insane uh, technologies out there that have been just started on a whim. And, but to do that, you have to be able to understand the ins and out of the business, the industry, and just like how to build stuff. And I wanted to like understand challenges you've gone through when it came to developing products. I can talk specifically toward research because that's what I do a lot sure. of. Um, and I don't have anything that's like a really like a huge failure that like made me learn a ton about whatever. I, it's not like the, a, a grand story or whatever, but. Um, you didn't like cause a massive uh, blackout. Yeah, I haven't and... like caused a shift in like <laughs> whatever, like people's <laughs> imagination. But, yeah, no. but like failures have definitely happened. So like freshman year, my first ever research project was working on uh, this little humanoid called a Darwin robot uh, for the Trek lab, which is one of the research labs at Virginia Tech. Um, this lab has a big glass window uh, that like lets other people walking by see in, see what the graduate students are doing. Um, and the lab director wanted some display for the window, some active display, like a robot that walks around and like does something interesting. So he, geniusly assigned five freshmen who barely knew anything about Linux or making robots in general to create this, uh, I guess it's, the, the humanoid robot was made to play soccer. So basically he made us build a treadmill and then the, the humanoid robot would walk on the treadmill continuously and then kick a little red ball and then he would kick it into the net and then the ball would come back and he would like kick it again. And it would just be interesting for people to watch. And I mean, that failed horribly. It currently doesn't exist in the, the glass window because we didn't <laughs> get to make it. Um, we actually did make the treadmill because it's literally just a motor spinning like a gear. But getting the robot to just work in general is so much more complicated than like a senior in high school who has aspirations about working on robotics and like building an Ironman suit, whatever mm -hmm. like dream of. Like it's absurdly complicated. Just understanding, like, imagine just not knowing an operating system and then it just is thrown at you and you have to figure out exactly what everything does and, like, what different commands do in the terminal and, like, what a shell is. 
and then telling yeah. these students to build a robot that like does all this stuff and now honestly looking back on that i'm like i could do this in like a week which is absurd like i it just like puts into perspective how much you really learn in college but then at that moment when i like our team did not get it to work and we were just like struggling on it for months um it felt pretty bad and i was like wow this is like a wake-up call because in high school I was like, why, why is, why does it take so long to like create new technologies and like make stuff happen faster? And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, now I understand. It's actually really hard and complicated. So that was like my first foray, I guess, into building things for real, because I mean, I had done it in high school, like for simple stuff, like first robotics and things like that, but never with something that's actually complicated, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I totally resonate with that. Uh, about a year ago, I built this Chrome extension called LeetHub, which uh, helps uh, students sync their coding interview questions to uh, GitHub. It, it like took me like 12 hours to go from the idea to launch. And like over the course of the next year, like people have used it close to 5 million times. And yeah, that's like, absurd. Yeah, it's like every like the way like, I feel better about myself is I log on to Twitter uh, in the morning and see what people are talking about LeetHub. And like every day there's like some person talking about LeetHub. In order for me to be able to do that, I had to spend three years of experimenting on different ideas and projects. And like in order for me to build something that's successful, you have to go through a shit ton of failures. And, and yeah, auto- exactly. Like in the beginning, you said like you've worked on something like 30 whatever projects and only five of them have really taken off but if you had chosen those five that took off to work on and didn't work on any of the others they wouldn't have taken off and they wouldn't have exactly as successful maybe so yeah they're definitely necessary i wanted to talk a little bit more about engineering mistakes we've made because it's always uh funny just in retrospect talking about all the shitty designs we made and i mean i think like a really big thing that I've like broken okay hackathons are a good example because nothing is real like well Mm -hmm. for the most part sometimes sometimes you can make something that's like actually works really well but a lot of the time if your scope is too large like you just end up not cutting but just hacking instead so like oh okay this is really bad but like one hackathon uh I made an app that scrapes your social media I really have a thing for like scraping social media. Okay, it scrapes your social media and then it detects or it tries to determine where you should visit next in the world, like what your optimal travel destination is. And so it would it would take like a set preset of like 15 travel destinations that are like pretty popular. And then we scraped Wikipedia, got all the like words and we basically use a bag of words model and then like match that to the words, mm-hmm. some of the words that they would use on their social media. And it ended up not working at all. And we literally just generated a random place for them to go to. <laughs> and we ended up winning an award at the hackathon. And it was like the most jank thing in the world. Like the effort was there. If we had a, maybe another day, we probably could have gotten something legit. But it wasn't better than a random guess. <laughs> the, the interesting thing about hackathons is people don't really care that much about the engineering. They care more about the final product. So if Dude, the presentation just, is so important. Yeah. If you can just like sell your way into a really slick demo, like you practically won an award for something. 
an engineering design flaw that I committed when I was a freshman. Um, I was working on my first startup at the time, which is at the time it was just like a side project. And it was called Hitchhike, which is this long distance ride training platform for college students. And I took my first CS class, uh, my the, the, the fall semester, and in it, uh, the professor talked about how you shouldn't use global variables. And <laughs> it made, okay, it made sense in theory. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I wouldn't use global variables. So when I was working on Hitchhike, I was on this tight time crunch of like three weeks before I would ship out the beta. Every day I was like, uh, cranking out close to like 5,000 lines of code. It was like oh insane. <laughs> um, That's absurd. I was, do- I was basically just repeating myself over and over again. So not the best <laughs> practice right there. Uh, but one of the things that ended up happening was since I was running short on time, I didn't test out the product on a remote server. I was running everything locally. And when uh-huh. I deployed it on Heroku, the app just failed. And the reason it failed was locally, uh, the way I was treating data through different requests was by a couple of global variables. And Mm -hmm. when you do it on Heroku, there's this loss of data when you go from one route to another route. And it took me like two to figure out why this was happening. And and this does exist for a reason, apparently. (laughs) And and I had to rewrite close to 60% of the entire pipeline just because of that one uh, design decision. Mistakes are your best teachers. Like, I learned a very costly lesson. Wow, that's unfortunate. This is like a weird thing to say, but I enjoy debugging code. Uh, Sometimes I just like find random repositories on GitHub and try to see if it works correctly (laughs) without compiling and running it uh locally on my computer and i just I think it's a really good thing to do it like helps you just abstract away uh english into like a graph and uh just build like a higher order mm. of how things are working I, I find joy in debugging and i would have almost killed myself if i said this a year ago because i hate it <laughs> yeah. debugging is like 60 70 percent. i don't know what people say there's this meme uh which is like there's three bugs in my code i clear one out now there's 60 bugs in my code uh, <laughs> really there were always 60 you know you just <laughs> had to uncover them <laughs> The, the other thing I wanted to talk about was this idea of optimization. Um, as engineers, we often do things that are just unnecessary. I remember, uh, and this is like uh, just embarrassing, but sophomore year, this is right when COVID hit, I got a new computer and um, it had to be signed by the UPS guy, or I had to sign it okay. uh, before the UPS guy would give it to me um Hmm. and and so the first day the package was supposed to arrive i missed the uh the the delivery because i had my headphones on and i didn't hear him knock and and so so the ups guy just left a note and and it it just said that they'll come the next day and the same thing happened the next day i had my headphones on (laughs) (laughs) and at that point i realized okay like i'm this is probably going to happen tomorrow as well so I have two options, either take off my headphones because they came at the exact same time or just build something to circumvent. No, 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 hell you. <laughs> so I, I used my Raspberry Pi, put a, a sound sensor behind the door uh, where the guy, where the delivery man would knock. 
and connected it to oh, okay. a local uh, web server. And every time someone knocked, it would uh, like play a stretch 911 call onto my local network, which is just my headphones. And the next day, lo and behold, like I was able to get my package and I wanted to, I was just so excited that it worked. And I wanted to like show, <laughs> show it to the delivery man that, hey, like, like as soon as- This is how I knew you were yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, like as soon, as soon as I got the package, I just called him into our house and I was like, yo, look at this. <laughs> this is how I knew you were here. And he told me, son, why didn't you just take off your headphones? And I just, I had no response to that. <laughs> Dude, it's so much more interesting when you build something to solve the problem. Optimization, uh, optimizing your life is uh, definitely something I think about a lot. There's a chapter to a book called uh, How Not to Be Wrong. It sounds like super pretentious. So he talks about one of the chapters is like, it's called Miss More Flights. And basically the idea is to figure out the utility for, you know, whatever you want to do. So like, like if you're going somewhere really important your utility is obviously very high and if it's on a time schedule utility is even higher but in general people wake up really early for their flights when they don't really need to and they wait at the airport for like an hour maybe you could have spent the time sleeping at home uh and then you would have had a better day because you got more sleep or something i don't know but in general if you take the risk of waiting longer to a certain extent uh and miss maybe one or two flights but you gain hundreds of hours because you're taking hundreds of flights who knows it's usually worth it like the gain is outweighs the um the negatives but people don't generally think about that when they're doing stuff in life they don't optimize enough and so they they spend their time not as wisely as they possibly could have it makes me think of um like when you're looking up symptoms on google for uh some sickness that you're experiencing you see the most obscure uh like uh disease that it could relate to and that's like your main focus like oh i have oh, cancer because yeah, yeah. like i'm bleeding right now <laughs> well, that's or something like, like that. webmd uh as far as like uh engineering goes being able to just build anything that you can think of is like a superpower and a lot of college students don't really exploit that they just like stick to just classwork after another class that's part of the optimization is how much time like do you spend on your assignments versus extracurriculars? Because if you spend all your time on your assignments, like if you get an assignment and then immediately, like if it's an earliest deadline for a scheduler, basically you just start your assignment. And then once it's perfect, you submit it. You don't need it to be perfect to get an ideal grade. Like you can get an A by putting in probably half the amount of time you would if you were very meticulous and you made everything exactly right. And then you just like double checked it, triple checked it. Mm -hmm. So there's not really much point in spending all that time when you could spend less time and then spend the time that you're not spending doing homework on building things outside of class and actually gaining real world experience. I think school is only like half of how you gain knowledge, if that, honestly. It's an introductory like courses are intros to states of knowledge, like spaces of knowledge, but they don't actually reinforce any of that information. Actually making a project on your own and building something that's useful to you, even if it's like checking when somebody knocks on your door, that's a useful application of something that you were exposed to in school. And so you reinforce that. 
I, I think part of the reason why uh, students don't work on a lot of side projects is because they're just afraid of failure. And I mean, I was guilty of this too, where part of the reason why I wouldn't work on one specific project was that I was afraid that it would never take off or that I wouldn't be able to make it happen. But once you just get over the notion that everything fails the first time you do it, it's so much easier to just get started. That's absolutely true. I, I think it's also like a motivation thing because people generally aren't motivated to start. But I think once people start and realize that they're capable of doing just something, then it's a lot more exciting to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, making like a crypto bot uh, for trading cryptocurrencies. This is like something I've, I, I had wanted to do for a while, but I just never started it. Cause like, oh, it's like kind of a daunting task. Like you have to like get all the data and process it, blah, 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 machine learning, whatever. And it's not something I had like really delved into in the past, but just starting it shows me that there's so much you can do, especially if you set like a small goal to start with, because small goals are, are way easier to accomplish, obviously than big goals. And mm-hmm. once you accomplish any goal, you feel really good about yourself. You're like, awesome. I can do more. Um, and I mean, that's what I did to, to help myself get into this project. And then now I just have it like running in my room, trading crypto all day. <laughs> Sometimes it makes money. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I need to update the algorithm. But what's your uh, what are your numbers right now? Um, but I think I, I put in like a few hundred dollars, like three hundred dollars or something. And the first week it shot up to like two thousand because that was wow. when, um, <laughs> yeah, that was when Bitcoin like popped off for a little bit, uh, and now it's gone back down. So I, I think I'm sitting at around like a thousand or something. But it's definitely made money. Like as engineers, what's something that excites you about the future uh what's something that uh you're hopeful for i really like the idea of humanoid robots not because they're useful just because they're cool and you talked about that before like a lot of things people work on they just work on it because they think it's cool and like they get funding afterward that's pretty much the approach that i've taken to research and like engineering um i found a lab that works on humanoids and i'm like that's freaking awesome and it's so cool because a lot of the world is excited about it because it's like a crazy sci-fi technology, but it's actually coming to life with like Boston Dynamics and Agility and all these other companies. Um, so personally, I'm excited to be able to work for one of those companies and help that technology grow. But I'm excited for the world because like it exists and it's not science fiction anymore. It's it's like uh, if you love what you're doing and and the thing that you love is valuable to society like you are going to end up succeeding at that and uh something like like human ro- robots which you've talked since as long as i can remember <laughs> yeah. um, it's it's definitely exciting to see all the cool things happening knowing what you know now what would you have done differently if you were to go back freshman year i would have worried less about my GPA for sure. Um, like I stressed over that shit for a long time. Uh, like even just up until probably like the end of junior year when I was like, oh, it doesn't really matter anymore. I mean, it does, but not to the same extent that it matters in the beginning. And I think a lot of that issue is because I wanted to like impress people 
but that's not how you impress people. You impress people by doing good work and being capable of communicating with them effectively. If you like the difference between a 4.0 and a, like a 3.8 is honestly not that much. Like to an employer who you've proven that you're capable of doing the work toward, like you've, you've proven that you're capable of doing work, um, like effective work and you're proven that you're capable of communicating to them. They don't really care about your GPA at all, especially for like internships and stuff. And that's really how you grow in life is by making connections um, through these internships and like just through talking to people. So I wouldn't stress too much about the GPA. That's, yeah. that's my advice. It's, it's the uh, law of diminishing returns. Uh, 100%.